Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Right, could you stand to your feet for me just for a moment? We're going to close in prayer and... uh, No, I'm joking. We have uh, an incredible person about to preach, Pastor Daryl, and Pastor Allison's in the house, and um, there is, these are two of the greatest people on planet Earth, um, and, and that, that I mean with all my heart, anyone who knows me knows that it's true. Um, they, are, they lead Sound City Church. If you don't know that, they lead Sound City Church. This is an awesome church. I was there this morning. If you weren't there this morning, you should go next Sunday morning, right? You should check it out. This church is incredible. These people are amazing. They, they, they look after us, all of us pastors all through the city. Uh, they head up the full gospel here in WA. Uh, they look after us. These are the guys who have input into my life behind the scenes, right? You think, oh my gosh, he's so good looking. No, they're the ones who are like trying to groom this thing, right? They, they're trying to fix this thing, right? And, and these two, uh, I, I, I want to say this, this church exists and stands because of their generosity, right? It would not exist. What you see here is because of them, right? This church is here because of them. We are, yeah, amen. This church is here because of them. We exist because of them. The, uh, all this equipment is here because of them. If it were not for their generosity, for not for them starting in this location, uh, we may not be here. And uh, these are two of the greatest people, two of the most anointed people I've ever uh, made in my life. And I love you guys a lot, like a lot, way too much. It's like an unhealthy uh, how much I love you. And I care about you guys deeply. You're two of the most generous people I know. Your friendship means the world to me. But as I've told the church, if I get to choose friendship or leadership, I choose leadership every day of the week. I would rather have you speaking into my life than just hanging out by the pool. Because I think what you carry is way bigger than what I could ever imagine. And so every time I get to have dinner with you or hang out with you, I leave so full. I don't sleep. That's because of you. And I'm always dreaming bigger and wanting to do more. And the more I'm around you, I feel the bigger I get. And so I want to thank you for everything. We want to honor you guys as a church. You guys are amazing. Uh, Pastor Daryl, uh, we can't wait to hear what you've got to say to us this evening. Amen? Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Daryl. Amen, amen, amen. How are you all? Very good. So good to be here. How many of you love that about generosity? <laughs> just to let you know, as I walked in, I just typed $1,000 in the FPOS machine out there. So if somebody just wants to go swipe that, it's... You will be so blessed. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I love it. Pastor Andrew said that you guys were talking about evangelism and revival. And I'm just so, we've been praying for revival for so long. We believe with all our hearts. This is the great south land of the Holy Spirit. We believe that revival is going to come from the west of Western Australia, sweep across Australia and the islands. That means that puts you right in the prime spot for revival. Amen. So I'm excited about revival. And I really want to share, just for me, I think I've been in church for so long. And I want to share what I think is a fairly radical concept. And the concept is this. What if we got the whole concept of what Jesus preached wrong? What if we got it all wrong? 
In Matthew 4, 17, it says this, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Verse 23, it says, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. How many of you know if Jesus was in the place tonight, there would be no sickness, there would be no disease, people would be delivered, people would be set free. How many of you believe Jesus is in the house? How many of you believe, yeah, because you brought him, he said two or three are gathered. He's here, amen. How many of you come believing for miracles tonight? Believing for God to do something awesome. In verse Matthew 9, 35, it says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching again, healing every sickness. And he said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. How many of you know there's a whole lot of harassed and helpless people out there? The devil's having a field day. The devil is doing exactly what the Bible said. He's robbing and stealing from so many people. But how many of you know the, the good news is that you're the answer to the world today? Just as Jesus was the answer in that day, you are the answer to the world today. You know, and I've come to realize that our priority over the years, I came from South Africa originally, that was so legalistic. It was like we, we weren't allowed to go to dances, women weren't allowed to wear jeans. It was so legalistic. And it was like, you know, I realized over the years that we, we spend so much time sometimes trying to get people to heaven. You need to get to heaven. You need to give your life to Jesus so you can go to heaven. You need to give your life. You need to stop doing what you're doing so you can go to heaven. But you know, one of the things that I've realized is that when Jesus came, his priority was not trying to get people to heaven, but his priority was to bring heaven to earth. To bring heaven down here, you know, as churches, we're praying for revival. You guys are praying for revival. And I've discovered this. Revival is simply when heaven invades earth. You see, if heaven invades your life tonight, you're going to have revival. If heaven invades your family, you're going to have revival. If heaven invades your workplace, you're going to have revival. If heaven, if heaven invades your community, we're going to have revival. Somebody said this, as churches, we're always praying for revival. We're always saying, God, we want you to move. And I think God's up there praying, I'm wanting you to move. I'm wanting you to do something. So when we look at the Gospels and the way Jesus preached, his primary action was to bring heaven to earth, to bring health and healing, to bring deliverance, to bring wholeness to people's lives, to a world that's been devastated by sin and the evil one. Access how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit in power. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's here tonight? How many believe He's here in power? How many believe your life could never be the same again in Jesus' name? He is anointed with the Holy Spirit and He went around doing good and healing those that were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. So I don't know about you tonight. I don't want to wait another minute for God to move. I want to say, God, I'm here. 
God, use me. God, I want to be a part of revival. Revival starts with us. And as it impacts our life, I believe it flows into the people around us. I don't know if you've ever seen a movie. I've never experienced it myself, but I've seen it in plenty of movies where people have died, or not died, but been swimming in the ocean and have drowned. And the lifeguard goes out and they rescue them and they bring them down together and they start pumping their chest. They start breathing into their mouth. I won't do it because I'll hyperventilate. Pump, bummer. And if you've seen it, all of a sudden it's like that person that's dead. He stopped breathing. All of a sudden it goes. And spits out a whole lot of gunk. How many of you know what we need tonight? It's just a fresh breath of God in our life. God just to come and give us Holy Ghost CPR. Come on, just breathe afresh, just right where you are. Just say, Lord, breathe afresh on me tonight. Lord, fill me afresh. Psalm 85 verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love. Grant us your salvation. So I just want to look at some lessons tonight that I think Jesus taught about how we can impact our world, how we can revive our world. Unfortunately, I, said, I grew up, um, you know, basically I think the, the lessons we were taught was the John the Baptist style. Repent, you wicked bunch of sinners. You know good. You need Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 4, says John's clothes were made of camel hair and has a leather bow around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And when he saw the many Pharisees and the Sadducees coming where they were baptizing, he said, you brood of Vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. First thing we understand is that he had a really poor sense of fashion. Has anyone here ever seen Pastor Andrew without his bun? With his wind, our hair blowing in the breeze. I know he hasn't got a camel hair jacket on today or anything. But how many of you know John the Baptist? He, he, had, he had crazy hair. He wore crazy clothes. He ate crazy food. And it says, and when the, it says uh, produce food in keeping with repentance. How many of you know often it's so easy to focus on everybody's sin, isn't it? It's so easy to focus on everybody's uh, problems, what everyone's done wrong. But how many of you know, if we really understand God's heart, how many of you believe God has a plan for your life? God has a destiny for your life. And when we understand that, we understand that in Jesus' name, when you come to Him, you or life will never be the same again. And so instead of focusing on the negative, instead of focusing on the bad, instead of focusing on people's faults and bad attitudes, God is far more interested in what you can become by the grace of God. So can I give you some lessons in what I would call the Jesus school of revival? And I want to focus on what Jesus said um, that we should do if we want to impact our world. How many of you want to impact your world? How many of you just want to show up and just go through life? And how many of you want to make a difference? 
We're called to be difference makers. Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out two by two ahead of every town and every place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but... The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then he says in verse 3, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Have you ever seen a lamb with a wolf? Not a pretty sight. Not nice at all. Can I say this? Number one, we've got to understand, and you might have experienced it. I think a lot of us pull back because we've experienced this. Sometimes witnessing and sharing the gospel is not easy. Sometimes it is like, and we live in a world today that seems to become more and more ferocious against believers, against Christians. But Jesus said, hey, the world can be savage, but I want to tell you the opportunities are huge. 160,000 people in our locality. 160,000, did I say that? 160,000 people in our locality that need to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I think even if you were to stop and just count those in your family, those amongst your friends, your work colleagues, there's probably so many that need Jesus. You might even know some that have drifted away from God, used to be in church, used to love God, but for whatever reason, life's treated them a cruel blow. Some people have just got busy and drifted away. You know, these are the people that we need to be believing God for. See them coming back into the house of God. Jesus made it very clear the harvest has never been the problem. There's a massive harvest out there. The problem is harvesters. Soul winners. He needs people that are going to dare to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. The very thing that should define us as a church. Disciples who go and win the lost. Jesus says it's our weakness in the church. And the harvesters are very few and far between. So let me give you some keys. That Jesus gave to bring revival to your world. Number one, Luke chapter 10 verse 4 says, Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and don't greet anyone on the road. I love that. How many of you know it doesn't cost you to preach the gospel? doesn't cost you to reach, might cost you a coffee or something, but it's not going to cost you a whole lot to reach the last, to reach out to people who don't know Jesus. And I love as he says, don't greet anybody on the road. How many of you know in life there's so many distractions? There's so many things that will come and take you off track. And I believe when it comes to winning people, we need to be focused. We need to be purposeful. We need to know what we're doing. I know you guys are going to be talking about this over the next few weeks with evangelism. But I think every one of us need to have a hit list. God, I want to see that person saved. God, I'm going to believe for this person. God, I'm going to believe for that person. And I love this. He says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. I love that. Shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Speak, say peace to the house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. 
And if not, it will return to you. The first key is this. It's so wonderful. And yet it's so simple. It's not telling people you're a dirty, rotten sinner. You need to repent right now. The Bible says the first key to being a great harvester is simply speaking peace of God over people's life. Pronounce God's blessing on them. Peace, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. How many of you know God has given you as believers the power to bless? You know, one of the things that I... In the traditional churches, but I get jealous sometimes because one thing they understand in the priesthood with the Catholic and the Anglican church, they bless, bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord, they, they pronounce and they believe that when they pronounce blessing, blessing comes. How many of you believe tonight that when you speak peace, when you speak blessing over people's life, something supernatural happens? How many of you know when you condemn and you judge? I find all that happens is people turn their back and they don't want to know you. But when you speak blessing, something supernatural happens. Galatians 3.8 says this, The Scripture foresaw that God would justify us, the Gentiles, by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those that have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You know, the blessing of God, if you do a study on it, is always revealed in five ways. Fruitfulness, increase, prosperity, victory over our enemies, favor with God. How difficult would it be to say to people, hey, can I just pray blessing over your life? Can I speak increase over your life? Can I pray for prosperity? I've never had anybody say no to me. He says, hey, when you meet with people, just speak peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. How many of you know we need the peace of God in a broken world today? How hard would that be that, hey, I just want to pray God's favor in your life. In fact, I've found some of the hardest people are so grateful when you say, hey, can I just pray to bless you? Hey, can I just speak peace over your life? Don't know what you're going, don't know what you're facing, but I just want to pray a blessing. You see, the heart of the gospel was not a turn or burn gospel. The heart of the gospel is that God wants to bless you. How many of you are blessed tonight? Luke 4, 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I mean, if you know that same anointing's upon your life, that same anointing to bless, to speak peace, to heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, is upon your life, the gospel that God preached and Jesus preached was a gospel of blessing. It was a gospel of hope. It's a gospel of freedom. It's a gospel of healing and deliverance. How many of you know we get to proclaim favor? We get to speak blessing. I praise believers you're doing that over your family every day. 
I pray you're doing that over your life. Father, bless me. Give me favor. Lord, I need the peace of God. I need the healing power of God. Just like the Old Testament priests, they were taught to speak blessing. You know the song probably, but you know this prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious. The Lord turn his face and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Can I encourage you? When you meet with people, just look for opportunities to bless them. Look for opportunities. Say, hey, can I pray blessing? Can I speak favor? Can I pray increase over your business? Can I speak prosperity over your finances? God has given you and me the power to bless. Isn't that awesome? The second key was this, in being a harvester and a revivalist, he says in verse 7, Luke 10, 7, stay, I love this one, stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for workers deserve his wages. Don't move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and you are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Can I just say this is such an incredible key, I think. Number one, never knock back a meal. Never, never, ever knock back a meal. Never knock back a coffee. It's a tough one, I know, but somebody's got to do it. But you know what he's saying there? He's saying the greatest key is build relationship with people. Before you, before you give them hell, fire, and brimstone, Build a relationship. If you want to win people, if you want to influence people, if you want to make a difference, the greatest thing that you can do is build a relationship with people. Somebody said this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's what people want to know. They want to know you're genuine. How many of you know most of the people out there think us Christians are a bunch of flakes, a bunch of hypocrites? They just want to know you're real. They want to know that you're genuine. They want to know that you truly care. And before you sharpen and hone your Billy Graham skills, why not just build a relationship? Hey, why don't we go do coffee? Why don't we go have a meal? I think M's probably one of the greatest at this in the whole world that I've seen. Just building relationships. You know, they say the average person who comes to Christ needs seven or eight good encounters with Christians. How many of you know most people have had a negative experience about Christians? Most people have a negative uh, overview of Christians or uh, perspective of Christians. They say you need to have at least seven or eight good encounters before they'll even listen to your message. That's seven or eight good coffees, seven or eight good lunches. They just want to know you're normal. I know you're not, but they want to think you're normal. They just want to know they can trust you. They just want to know you're genuine. How many of you love it when you're walking through a shopping center and someone stops you and says, can I just talk to you for a minute? No, you can't because you're going to try and sell me something and I'm not buying another TV and I'm not sponsoring another animal. You know straight away. They're not interested in me. They're just trying to sell. How many of you know sometimes that's what the world thinks of us? Build relationships. 
Spend some time. Just let them know that you're genuine. Colossians 4, 5 says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Verse 6, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. How many of you know if we're going to win people to Christ, if we're going to make a difference, it just begins by sowing seed, doesn't it? Telling people God loves them. Tell them God has a plan and God has a purpose and God has a destiny. Jesus said the best way to win people is be prepared to build relationships with them. How many of you know we're not always good at building relationships? I don't know about you, but if you drive through Baldivis, one of the newest suburbs here, and you see every house, you know, six-foot fences, roller doors. You don't even have to talk to anybody anymore getting into your house. You can drive and click a button, in you go, go in your, and you can, oh, I'm in, I'm in the sanctity of my home. You know, some people don't even know their neighbors these days. Some people have never talked to their neighbors. And God put them right in your community, put them right next door to you. I love this one. The third one is this. Luke chapter 10, verse 9. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Find out what their need is. I don't know about you. I don't have to talk to too many people for too long to find out there's a whole lot of people with needs, a whole lot of brokenness, a whole lot of hurting, a whole lot of stuff that's gone on in people's lives. And the Bible says, hey, the greatest thing that we can do is say, hey, I want to pray that God's going to heal you. God's going to deliver you. God's going to set you free. How many of you believe that he's our healer? He's our deliverer. Matthew 10, 7, he says, as you preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Or as you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. How many of you know the blessing of God didn't cost you one cent? And he says, hey, you've got it for free. We heard about giving freely tonight, being generous as we just give out and we bless others and we heal the sick. If you really want to know what the heart of the gospel is, that Jesus not only paid the price for your sin, but he's provided for our sickness, our deliverance, our peace, our prosperity. He's given us the gift of righteousness. Isn't that awesome? Heal the sick. Pray for people. I've, as I say, I don't have to talk to people for too long. To find the needs of people, there is so many hurting, so many people just, just asking questions, lost in the world. Seeing people healed and set free uh, is such a good thing that we do. We read that verse, how God anointed of Jesus with Nazareth, and he went around doing good. How many of you, when you go down the shopping centers, you're sort of going... Is there somebody that I can pray for? When you're in the workplace, is there somebody that I can just pray God's healing power over? Heal the sick. See people set free. See people delivered. The fourth key is this. In being a harvester, 
It says, when you enter a town and you're not welcomed, when you feel like that lamb in the wolf's den, uh, when you feel like you're surrounded, but he says you get to a town and you're not welcomed, go into its street and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to your feet, we wipe off against you. Be sure of this, the kingdom of heaven is near. The Bible says, when you've built relationship, when you've prayed peace, when you've said, hey, can I pray for your health and your healing? Can I pray for your family? If they're still resistant, then the Bible says, hey, we need to be able to say to them, hey, I just want to let you know that one day we're all going to stand before God. Time is going to come where we've got to warn them, we've got to encourage them or let them know that there is a danger of refusing the kingdom of God. Romans 6, 23 says the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. How many of you know there's a heaven again and a hell to shun? And as much as we need to do everything we can, sometimes there comes a point where we need to just say, hey, buddy, just got to let you know. May not be interested, but I, I've got to do the right thing. Just say, hey, there's a heaven again. There's a hell to shun. Romans 14, 11, you know, well, says it's written as surely as I live, says the Lord. Every knee will bow before me one day. Every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account to himself. Do you know, I honestly believe the saddest day in Jesus' life is will be, or in Jesus' time, is when he has those people stand before you and they, they acknowledge, yes, you are Lord, but I didn't know you. And I reckon when it'll break his heart, when he's got to say to people, I'm sorry, I never knew you. I tried everything. Sent Pastor Andrew around. We did everything we could. <laughs> Depart from me. I never knew you. Church, we need to understand there is a heaven to gain. And there's a hell to shun. One day, every one of us, and I pray for everybody here, <clears throat> that we're going to be the ones that we can stand and go, I know you. Yes, you are my Lord. You are my Lord. You're my King. And he's going to say, come, good and faithful servant. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So many people say to me, if you serve such a loving God, why does he send people to hell? God will never send one person to hell. It's the choices we make. It's the decisions we make. And he says, if you will call upon his name, the name of the Lord, you will be saved. How then can we call on those whom we've not believed? And how can we believe in the one that we've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Point to somebody and say, he's talking about you. How many of you know you're the preacher? You're the called one. You're the sent one. You're the one. The Bible says you're the hope of glory, isn't it? Christ in us. You're the answer to the world. The good news of the gospel is not that God hates you and thinks you're a terrible person and that he's going to send you to hell if you don't ship up and sh or shape up whatever it is. Shape up or ship out. But the gospel is that God loves you. 
And he's done everything in his power to save you. And he's done everything in his power and the power of his son. His son went to a cross so that we would not only have our sins forgiven, but every sickness, every disease. By his stripes, we are healed. Can I get Kurt to come and just want to sing a song quickly? No, I don't. Francis of Assisi said this. We're going to pray. Francis of Assisi said this. Amazing statement, and I love it. He said, preach the gospel. Is that a preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Isn't that cool? Do you know the, the greatest witness you have is your life? Bible says you're a living epistle. You're a t- people are watching you. People in the workplace are watching you. People in school are watching. Your friends, your family, they're watching you. How many of you know you're an open book for all to see? Preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. Can we stand tonight? I want to encourage you. Jesus said if you want to win people, if you want to reach the people around you, you want to make an impact on people's lives, the first thing to do is bless them. Speak peace over their life. Speak blessing over their life. The second thing is take time and build relationships with people. Don't go for the jugular. I remember the good old days standing out on my little soapbox down at Rockingham Beach saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. How many of you know if you do that today, they think you're talking about an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? They have no idea. But I love it when people go, hey, I've got to know you. Hey, we've spent time, and I think you're genuine. I may not agree with you right now, but I think you're so genuine in your faith. Build relationships. Let let them know you're not that weird. Find people's needs and introduce God's kingdom. I love it. You know, when, when Jesus went around and people were sick, they needed a miracle, and he prayed for them. He said, The kingdom of heaven is near you. The kingdom of God is right here. And God just wants to invade your heart. God wants to invade your life tonight. The last thing, if it's necessary, preach the gospel. Warn them about the reality that there's a lost eternity. And I don't know about you. I'm not a mathematician, but I've sort of figured it out a little bit. If Jesus said 2,000 years ago, I'm coming back, we're probably very close to these days. We're very close to heaven and we're very close to a lost eternity. And I just believe more than ever we need to be out there preaching the gospel. We need to be out there winning the lost, sharing the good news of Jesus. And we're going to take a moment. I'm going to ask Kurt if he could just... Lead us in a song. And I'm going to pray. I really want to pray for people tonight. We've got a few minutes left. And I just believe some of you tonight, you just need a fresh breath of God. You just need the power of the Holy Spirit to come and touch you afresh tonight. Just come into your heart and life again. And we're going to pray. We're going to believe with you. We're going to believe that God is going to do something supernatural. Maybe you need a miracle tonight. Maybe you need a fresh touch of God. Maybe you need a touch of God in your finances. Maybe in your family. Maybe in your marriage. I don't know. But we're going to pray that something revolutionary happens tonight. Something amazing happens because God is in the house. 
that's you, you come as we just sing this song. We're going to pray. Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, need more resources or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at The Link Church, God bless.